Great. If we could, uh, I know some people are still out getting coffee, whatever. We'll just uh, start with doing a bit of feedback with those of you who are in here um, about that exercise. When I look at UAC, um, they're coming in. That's great. How was that? How was that exercise? I know they're totally different, but what was it like to hear from three people something quick fire like that? Was it encouraging? Yeah. And uh, in terms of um, what's the word? In terms of revelation, it's kind of sometimes it feels like there's like this low level. It's like like super super incredible spiritual insights. But that exercise is meant to show us that often to bless someone, you don't have to have those. Um, Michael called me handsome. That was nice. (laughs) It's true as well. Well, I try, you know. When we think about, you know, back to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, to each one the manifestation is given for the common good. We think of that manifestation word having to be something, you know, incredibly spiritual, like when um, Paul, you know, uh, is in the is talking to a leader and there's a guy there who's been feeling, and he just kind of preaches them blind. I mean, I think that's an awesome manifestation, but if we think about it, that's probably not going to happen. Or when the couple lie about the land and the Lord strikes them dead, that's a manifestation that's pretty high voltage. But, you know, often the, the way that the Lord is looking to use us is in a way that will enable us to uh, be able to sow seeds in a way that yield fruit. And often it requires us to be willing to go low, but also to realize that when the Lord is looking to manifest His Spirit through us, it's usually in a, in a way that is easy to receive. And so that's why it's always important to remember that intensity isn't a fruit of the Spirit. It's, for some reason, Galatians doesn't mention intensity, which I wish it would because then so much of my life would be... Because I am prone to intensity and, and, tr- and try to kind of, um, you know, keep it to one side. But often we, we, you can realize, if you start to realize that uh, the um, quote-unquote nice things you can do can be as, as spiritually powerful as having a dream or a vision. You know, just being able to be present... And being able to say, you know, be attuned to what you see. Sometimes you can pick up on things. And it also depends on how you're wired. So some of us are intuitive. Some of us think logically and systematically through things. Uh, A lot of my friends who are really good at teaching the scriptures in a way that's much better than I am, um, they have kind of this way of seeing things and they can break out curriculum and all that kind of stuff. And they've just looked at the passage in two minutes, right? Whereas it takes me a lot longer than that. But I know now myself in a way that I can, I know that I think laterally. So I can look at things in a hundred different ways and they're already past what we were talking about and we're two pages in and I'm still back on point one. And so what I've learned is that the way that it's an ongoing, um, the process of learning how the Lord communicates to us is ongoing. And the moment we think we've got it figured out, he switches, <laughs> you know, just to keep it fresh. Otherwise, we, we, it becomes transactional and it's, you know, the, 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 the word intimacy goes out. But learning how you're wired and learning how... Um, the Lord has made you will really help you uh, understand how to catch things from him 
you know, and how to be able to then pass it on. And I think when it comes to delivering a word, finding a way to do it that is um, open-handed is often the easiest. So we all know each other here. You probably know each other a little bit better now. But if you were to say, um, be at uh, somewhere in a different environment, say at work, and the Lord puts something on your heart to encourage someone you don't really know, you have no idea if they're a believer, what do you do then? And that's where I find uh, trying to find language that is neutral um, really comes in handy. So I remember it was a crash and burn scenario. I'm on a train headed to... um, I'm heading up to... um, North London, and it's a long train ride, and I just keep seeing this. You know, the Lord keeps drawing my attention to someone five rows up, and I have a strong sense of what the Lord has given me a prophetic word for them. And I go up to the person, I say, I'm really sorry to interrupt. Uh, can I have a seat? He says, Yeah, sure. And he says, um, You know, I'm a Christian, and on the train, I've been praying, and I think I've got a, something that God wants to encourage you with. Would you like to hear it? And he says, no, because I wouldn't trust it. I says, all right. Enjoy day. And then I went and, you know, sat back. Um, I think if I was in that position now, what I would say is I'd go up, and I'd say, do you mind if I have a seat? He says, yeah. Uh, I'd say, can I encourage you with something? And just leave the God if because just leave the God equation out because um, front loading it isn't necessarily helpful if you're dealing with a skeptic or an agnostic or an atheist and uh, just say can I encourage you because our world is in such short supply of encouragement that people will eat it up and it, even when it comes to evangelism what I try to tell people is look forget about the word evangelism never use the word evangelism again just try to be encouraging. Just try to be a positive influence, you know, just, and, and, and see what, then people start asking you why you're that way, and then you can tell them. Um, so what time are we finishing, Matt? Noon. Noon? All right, we're going to do one last thing real quick, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to take you through a whistle-stop tour of what, um, of what the gifts are, what they look like today, and uh, we won't have a lot of time to dive into them, but we're going to just kind of describe what it looks like, and then we're going to pray and expect the Lord will just kind of give it all to you. So, Michael Brimer, I need you. Will you come up? You're going to be my illustration. Just stand next to me, um, um, and we're going to do a couple of things. Okay, so in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, as we've already looked at, at, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So every time you come into church or into a meeting, a life group, whatever it is, you have something that will bless somebody else. What does that look like? It may look like this. Um, To one that is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. What is the gift of wisdom? The gift of wisdom is when you grow up in the desert and the Lord gives you plans on how to build a boat. The gift of wisdom can be seen in Noah building the ark when he had never been to sea. The gift of wisdom is a supernatural insight into an area where you have no expertise. And it's the way it works for me, which is rare, is... um, 
is if I resist when I'm talking to someone and I resist every temptation to talk and I just let them talk, 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 talk until the point they have nothing left to say, sometimes the Lord will give me a little bit of wisdom. Okay? But wisdom, the, the gift of wisdom, how the Holy Spirit manifests through the gift of wisdom, if you look at a survey of the scriptures, it is a supernatural insight on how to do something in an area we have no experience or expertise. Okay, that's wisdom. The message, message of knowledge, that is uh, what we take today as the word of knowledge, which is from uh, past to present. Deals in fact. And the Lord often gives a word of knowledge to allow someone to know that he's, he knows and he's with you. So we had a word last night given that he's the God who sees you. Right, that's the word given to uh, uh, Ishmael's mom. Right, great word, powerful word. That's the word of, and, and sometimes a word of knowledge can be given. Um, John Wimber would talk about he would get sympathy pains, so he'd had no problem uh, with his knee all, all his whole life, and then suddenly he's about to pray for somebody, he feels knee, and he gets a sympathy pain. He says, "Anyone here with a bad right knee, raise a hand." That could be a word of knowledge. Sometimes it's just suddenly he's been, you know, wearing cowboy boots too long and needs to get, you know, Crocs on, right? Everybody should wear Crocs to church now. Um, sometimes a word of knowledge is it comes and it, it's, a, it's like you, you, you feel something like a sympathy pain. Sometimes a word that jumps out. Sometimes it's um, a feeling will rise up. So I was in a meeting uh, a little while ago and all of a sudden uh, the sense of dread came over me. I was like, I've never felt this before, but I suddenly feel terrified. And we we're talking about how, um, you know, there was going to be a, we needed people to give more money to the operating fund because everybody was giving to the capital campaign and we hadn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the people were starting to panic quietly and not share. There were people, nobody was sharing in the staff meeting that they're worried about this. But I had somebody, I'm sure, who was worried that they were going to get fired. Somebody, And all of a sudden, what everyone was feeling without giving voice to it was affecting the spiritual environment. And so I suddenly started to feel dread and was like, whoa, this is not mine. Where did this come from? And so we're able to kind of address it that way. Um, so word of knowledge can sometimes be a feeling, can sometimes be a word, can sometimes come through a word of scripture. I remember, we read scripture today because we'll need it tomorrow. So what you, you, what you read today, the Lord will be able to use and weaponize for his kingdom tomorrow. Remember that sometimes these gifts work together, right? Sometimes you can get um, uh, a word of knowledge that is prophetic, but also does exactly what that, that's usually the impact. Um, the next gift is, so well done. Yeah, that's a perfect illustration. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we had a prayer meeting and there was a word given that... Um, uh, and they didn't give it to the person because they didn't know them and it was they didn't really know if it was the Lord but it was of a well-known business person in our congregation that they should not uh, go into a, uh, a, um, a business deal that was on the table because there were some someone was looking to take advantage of them so we shared it with them and they're like alright I'll keep that in mind 
And I don't know if that happened or not. I wasn't going to pry, but just kind of offered it in that way and just said, you know, this may be totally crazy, but, you know, this is this kind of thing. So, you know, we, we have to hold these things lightly. And by holding them lightly, it enables, if we get it wrong, people just say, oh, I think that was just the, you need to caffeinate more regularly. Um, what's the gift of faith? Now, every believer in Jesus has faith right? The gift of faith is something different. The gift of faith is um, what happens when all of a sudden uh, the Lord gives us a prompting to do something, and when we obey it, instantly we have this extra faith to do what's asked of us. So imagine this is Michael Brimer. Oh, it is Michael Brimer. Um, And the Lord prompts him to do something. And as soon as he does it, the best way I can explain it is as soon as he uh, obeys to that, it's all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, he's got this code on it, like this extra something to actually go and get it done. Does that make sense? So um, the story I told about Heidi, the woman from Belfast, very much like that. It was like, um, it took me a long time to get obedient about it. You know, I had to do three or four things to get there. But I had all of a sudden a surge of faith to pray for her, which normally wouldn't have come. So that's the gift of faith. Another uh, illustration of that would be, thank you, sir. It's great. Um, another illustration would be uh, for the gift of faith um, to call people to pray or do something that is not... So that you end up organizing things in a way that you can't do it in your own strength. Okay? So we were um, very... Um, practical example of this. For our Alpha course, we have a basement that is just awful in the church. And as if an atheist would want to come to a church basement that's awful to talk about something they don't believe in. <laughs> Who does that? So um, I had this crazy idea of let's find a great venue to host Alpha in that people would think would be fun to go to regardless of what the subject matter is. And so we, um, we went to a wine cellar and uh, rented the venue. And off, so when people came in, the first question they were asked was red or white, right? It's just amazing. You offer an atheist a glass of wine and they open right up, tell you about everything. Um, so that was so that was kind of so that that was a bit of faith, and so that worked. And then all of a sudden, the venue wanted to charge us more and take advantage of us, and so we said we can't go back there, and we'd actually outgrown it. And there's a a nightclub slash restaurant on Henderson, where in Dallas, when people uh, want to go out, that's where they go. Um, and uh, they have an upper room, and I thought, oh, that's God. You know, so we approached them and said, hey, could we use your upper room on a Wednesday night to do Alpha? And I uh, said, yeah. And uh, we worked at the finances, and they're like, it was actually under budget by half. So that was amazing. And then, um, but the problem was you'd hear Ed Sheeran singing perfect, you know, when you're trying to talk about the gospel slightly. So we said, would you open for us on a Tuesday night? And um, I said, yeah. So well, can we talk about the numbers? And you know, the three owners are former Episcopalians. They went to the Episcopal School in Virginia, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's amazing. They're coming in a budget. They open for us. And it's like every little step we take, um, there's a surge of faith to do it. But we keep stopping to say, okay, Lord, can we do this? And, then, and then all that kind of stuff. So faith, and we're, we're organized in a way that we can't pull Alpha off now unless the Lord comes in, which is both worrying and fantastic at the same time. So that's, that's faith. Um, 
healing. Uh, the gift of healing is, it's not, you know, again, it's not, we don't have faith healers in the Christian church. We have a, a church that is healing. We have a community where, where the broken come in because, you know, Isaiah prophesied that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And so we have a community of faith where people come and their, their, their hearts are healed. Now we believe in the laying on of hands and the praying for healing. And uh, some people will be called to minister to the sick in the community. And one of the ways that this is demonstrated is hot hands. Hot hands is usually a, a sign that we've learned. Again, I couldn't teach from the scriptures except that we know the laying of hands is important. And we've found that people with hot hands tends to be the Lord is anointing them for healing. Um, and, and the healing is really, again, what we've talked about. It's that blend of our responsibility and God's sovereignty. So we do something in the natural, expecting him to kick in in the supernatural. So we don't have to hype it up. We don't have to go crazy. If when you pray for someone for healing and all they feel at the end is that they've been encouraged, you've won. The responsibility is up to the Lord. Okay, so that's healing. Um, Discernment. Um, Oh, no, healing. Miraculous powers. That's... What's miraculous powers? In China, that is, they teach their disciples how to jump 10, foot, uh, 10 feet fences to escape secret police. That's what Brother Yun says. He was speaking in Oxford, and uh, I meant to go, but I forgot about it, and I was at the pub instead. But anyway, um, yeah, bad Christian. But uh, in China, they, when they talk about miraculous powers, they teach their disciples how to jump in the spirit to evade the secret police. But they also, the requirement for being ordained in the underground church is that you have to have served time in prison for your faith because they find that is the best testing ground. Thank goodness I'm in Texas. Miraculous powers. It's when things happen, and I don't know if there's a way to, um, to stir this one up, except that you have to be open to it. It's when um, the unexpected happens. It's when you are out on the front line of things, and the Lord just comes in in a powerful way and does the miraculous. It's like the feeding of the 5,000. It's like... Um, we have to rely on the Lord, and He just kicks in. And it really, what, in order to see miraculous powers, you have to be putting yourself in that position where you're totally dependent on the Lord. And sometimes, you know, it comes through brilliantly. Other times, it's, um, you got to have the car running to get out quick. Um, I'm trying to think of an illustration for that. Maybe one will come to me. Um, discernment. Discernment is when... Oomph. Okay, so miraculous powers, I don't think there's a way to say I'm going to exercise the gift of miraculous powers. It's more that you are in a place, you're... To me, when I've seen the Lord do miraculous things, when I've been there, it's I'm so out of my depth that the Lord's got to come through. like you're already there. Yeah. It comes through. So, for example, I was leading an outreach or Wednesday congregation with people who are homeless, recovering addicts. 
And um, there was this, uh, we're talking about the goodness of God. There's a woman named Penny who was a former prostitute, um, two daughters, and she hadn't spoken to them in a long time. Um, and she came to all, she came to St. Mark's um, as a heroin addict and left clean. Okay, she got prayed for, a uh, lovely saint, Hazel. Um, Caroline Hazel prayed for her, and she just, boom, no, no withdrawals, nothing. She comes to our Wednesday lunchtime thing, and um, she, um, she gets a text message. I'm in the middle of preaching about God's goodness. She gets a text message from a daughter she hasn't heard of in 10 years. The only thing they have in common is they both have a chihuahua. Her chihuahua, the daughter's chihuahua, has been hit by a car. And she's just told her mother, she's so grief-stricken. So Penny, who doesn't know any better, says, can we pray that out of God's goodness, he will heal my daughter's chihuahua so that she will know that Jesus is real? I don't even think chihuahuas are going to be in heaven, but I've seen the Disney, I've seen the Disney movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. So we stand up and I say, all right, let's pray that God will heal this chihuahua. And so we do that. And then we go along. And at the end of the meeting, an hour later, she gets a second text from her daughter who she hasn't heard of in 10 years. Mom, get over here. You're not going to believe what's happened. Mom goes, sees her daughter, amazing reunion. She sees the chihuahua. Chihuahua's got a tire mark over its head. And she says, you won't believe what happened. The head is unsmushed and the four legs are no longer broken. Penny sees that the dog is afraid of cars. I thought that would be healthy. So she kneels down and she rebukes a spirit of fear off the chihuahua and the chihuahua's fine. <laughs> What's that, you know? So what, what is that? I don't know. Um, Three years later, uh, she and her two daughters, their relationships are restored. The whole family's become Christians, and they're actively involved in the church. The following week, Hannah comes. She has two, um, she has two Labradors. Okay, they're definitely going to heaven, right? Labradors are proper dogs. Um, I grew up with Labradors, so anyway. And uh, they both have been sick with a virus, and they haven't been able to eat in two weeks. They're both about to die. Hannah's a... Um, you know, stakes are higher for Hannah because of what she's been working with um, and um, some mental health stuff. And she says, can we pray for my dogs that we prayed for Penny's daughter's dog that God would heal them because they're about to die? And I'm like, Lord, you know what the stakes are here. Um, so it's okay. Everybody stand up. We pray and, um, you know, sit down, carry on with the meeting. And she says, um, Afterwards, says, can you come right over? So I was like, yeah, sure. I was on my way home. I walked right over to her house. And the dogs aren't healed. It's as if the dogs had never been sick. Uh, in the moment we prayed, it's as if their metabolism and the weight they'd lost all suddenly returned. What was that? I don't know. But it's a creative miracle. And sometimes when we pray, um, we pray for healing when actually what we need is a creative miracle. Is the best I can think of. Why does, I mean, in the, the dogs, I think, are just a vehicle for people to realize that, you know, he's the God who loves us. And if that matters to us, it matters to him. Um, discernment. Discernment is, is one where you distinguish, being able to distinguish what is from God and what isn't. Or uh, sometimes being able to tell if you walk into a room, if you're intuitive. Sometimes you can set the, get a sense that someone emotionally is in a certain state when they have that mask on. Or sometimes beginning to, to, to sense um, 
the presence of other stuff. Usually it's with intuitive people or people who've come out of something. So, for example, um, when I'm in the presence of someone who's been practicing the New Age, I can tell I've never been involved in the New Age, but I've helped a number of people from the New Age come to Christ. And so a friend of mine, uh, Neil, says it's, you get the stink of something. It's like when you walk in and you've cooked with garlic and you walk into somewhere and you tell her, oh, it smells like garlic. What's for supper? It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of hard to, to pin down more accurately than that. But it's a sense of getting, being able to distinguish what something is. And then once you distinguish what that is, using other gifts or leading people so that that atmosphere is no longer the dominant atmosphere, but bringing that atmosphere under the reign of Christ. Um, and then last but not least, tongues. Tongues is, the, um, is a per- personal pr- a prayer language that God gives some of his people, um, which is a way of, of interceding with him spirit to spirit that bypasses the mind. The gift of interpreting tongues is when someone gives a word of tongues publicly, is that it gives, gives the interpretation of what that is. Now, a prophetic word... Here's the difference between a prophetic word and an interpreted tongue is a prophetic word is from God to the people. John Wimber did a study and he saw that on, on average, all of the interpreted tongues were words of adoration from the congregation to God. So it's an expression of worship that is spirit to spirit that is given interpretation so that people can understand what's actually going on. It doesn't happen as often uh, today, I don't think, um, but it does happen. Last time I was in Nashville, it happened to me. A member of the choir came down and said, I think the Lord's given me a word in tongues. I said, great. And I uh, just kind of, we let it rip, and somebody had the interpretation. I think it was fine. Um, sometimes I've done it in the past, and we haven't had the interpretation. I said, okay, well, great. Let's sing Amazing Grace again and carry on. And I think if you're open-handed about these things, it helps. It just helps people realize that it's a, not, not a science, but it's just a practice. The big thing to remember is that all of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one as he, de- as he determines. So if there's a gift that you want that you haven't received, it may be because he's got one for you that's more better. And it may be also that you just need to get alongside someone who operates in that gift. I have notes on all of this, which I'm happy to give to Matt if that would be a help to you, an encouragement to you. Uh, it's high noon. We're meant to finish at noon, right? So uh, let's, yeah. You know, um, I wasn't here a while ago on the feedback on the, on the form, Yeah. But um, something that, that happened was when I was with the one person over there, this the same thing almost verbatim was spoken over here by somebody uh, which is just mind boggling and then it happened a second time from last night to a second person over here wow So that, to me, the only thing that I've seen that happen before, and to me that is usually done when, A, the Lord really wants to get through to you, or we talk about resonance, and resonance happens sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done the, you know, on a crystal glass, and sometimes um, when you're doing that, the nearby crystal glasses will resonate at the same frequency, so you're not just making sound from one, but from many. Sometimes it means that the Lord has really wanted to speak to an individual, or that the word might be for a wider group. 
So I'll leave that with you. Yeah. Yes. The story you told earlier, and this might be obvious to everybody, but it really hit me strongly. The two ladies at the retreat who barricaded themselves in the room, which, of course, the imagery there... Trying to keep the Lord away is, is wonderful. But the, the passage from Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with them. And you were the voice of Jesus to them. And it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing, yeah. That's why these things are so exciting. Um, just before we close, I'd love to just share something the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, I think it's from the Lord for this church. And um, if not, then just discount it. Um, I just, I had a, I know that you're as a church connected to wider networks within the city. And um, the background of this is that I've been reading a book that Sandy recommended, uh, Forged in Crisis. And what I think might be of encouragement to this congregation is that uh, certainly in the Shackleton chapter, which is as far as I've gotten to, I was hoping to have it done by now, but anyway, sorry, Sandy. Um, Not that he'd require that of me, but um, the, the author writes about in that chapter is that Shackleton knew that the one thing he had was his presence. And his presence in front of his team meant everything. And the, 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 when you know, the, the way I'll articulate it is when the, the word of the Lord came to me for this church is a sense that your presence as a church, regardless of size, is of vital importance for the city. That this church, as you have relationships with organizations outside of your congregation, will actually change, have a positive influence on those organizations. So, for example, let me illustrate it like this. Islam, in the last 30 years, has been forever changed. The reason how it's been changed is chaplains in the prison service started rubbing shoulders with Anglican priests and saw that priests had a pastoral duty. The role of of an imam historically has never included pastoral responsibility. So the imams learned from the Anakin priests that they were to have a pastoral role for the people, and it has completely changed Islam in the UK. Interesting, isn't it? And it's a sense that your presence, amongst others, will, for the sake of the kingdom, change positively those that you rub shoulders with. Now, it might be other faith groups. It might be other businesses, business networks. It's not just church-related. I think it's citywide. And it's that sense of uh, the Lord has given you something for the common good, which is a manifestation of His Spirit. Another way to say that is the Lord has given you, to use church history language, a grace. He's given you a grace to carry. And I really have a sense that there are four areas that he's going to use this congregation to affect in the city. Business, arts, politics, and the world of faith. I like church groups, that kind of thing. I think with business, it's bringing a real kingdom mindset amongst uh, people of business. 
I think that uh, the, you, you will see that people who have their own businesses in this congregation will be used and new businesses will rise up that will be inspired by the Lord. And it's something about the inspiration of the Spirit at work in the business world. Uh, I had a sense that there's something about people in this congregation that will help give life to creative expression. That creative expression will just like take off in the city. Um, and maybe it's because I was prayer walking by the theater uh, along the river walk yesterday. I don't know. But there's something about the Holy Spirit coming in and setting fire, as it were, as we we're singing, to creativity in the city and just taking it off. So that from here, a movement would start that would really captivate people's imagination. Um, and, I, and when I was praying, because I, I saw all the political signs I was driving in, you know, for people running for judge or all that kind of stuff. And I just, the word that came to mind was two words that I've never heard before, just because I never really, I'm still new to the political landscape in the U.S., but it was a new way of doing politics, of kingdom politics, that the Lord is going to use people in this congregation um, to do a, a new way of, of doing politics that is kingdom-minded, inspired by the kingdom, Where, and, um, and that's going to, something coming from here. And then last but not least, I know for a fact that a network like Acts 29 has been really positively in, impacted and uh, positively um, taken shape because of Matt's influence with them. I've heard that through friends of Chris Myers. And I think that that's, there's something about your presence that changes, that affects people. And... Um, I just want to encourage you with that, just to keep being, I know it sounds Oprah-like, but there's something about you just keep being you. No, that's from America's Funniest Videos, which we watch every Sunday with the kids. It's amazing. It's prophetic. Um, imagine if the joy of the Lord gripped the nation. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be different. Um, you know, what's his name from Fresh Prince keeps saying, you just keep being you. And I just really have a sense that the Lord is just really, really... I'm so proud of what's happening here. And it's the, what, what does he want to do in the next season? I think he just wants you to keep being you, the church that you are. And that from that, all of these unexpected um, innovations will take place in the world of politics, in the world of business, and in the world of creativity. So I'm going to pray and then... Um, go from there shall we father thank you for our time together thank you for this this what a joy to be here ask holy spirit that you would manifest your presence more of you more of you that's it And ask especially, Lord, you would release your presence in our midst to enable this community, this church, to continue to take steps of obedience and faith and trust so that on the day of your return, this church, the finished work of Christ Jesus will be done in this church. 
We pray for the city. And for the sake of the city, I ask, Lord, even now you would release and activate new, fresh gifts of the Spirit. those involved in the business world you give them fresh eyes to see fresh hearts to discern your call Lord that your spirit would come down upon this congregation like it did on Bezalel for the for creative power and expression so that the tabernacle could be built. We pray, Lord, that your work of inspiration and creativity in this, in this community would lead to your order spreading out into the city. And Lord, we pray, Father, for a new kingdom vista in the realm of politics. We pray for a, a new way of doing kingdom politics, whatever that means that you would inspire people in this congregation to have the conversations needed, that we would see, the world would see a new way of doing, of doing leadership. And Lord, for the way that this church rubs shoulders with other faith networks, other Christian organizations, pray for your grace to abound. Come, Holy Spirit. Let it be. May it be so. Pray, Lord, for a full release of all of the gifts, the power tools of your kingdom, that as we meet tomorrow, all of us would come knowing that we have something for someone that will strengthen their hearts. So together we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.